everybody, this is Kendra, the vet tech here today to talk about utilizing veterinary technicians within the large animal or mixed animal practice. Here with me today is our guest speaker, Dr. Jasmine Feist. She is a large animal practitioner here in Western Washington. So welcome, Dr. Feist. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself today? Hi, Kendra. Thanks for having me. Like she said, my name is Dr. Jasmine Feist. I'm a large animal ambulatory practitioner based in Western Washington. I've been doing uh, mixed animal practice for almost seven years now. Recently started my own ambulatory practice um, this last August, so a few months ago. Yeah, what else do you want to know? I think that's great. So what I would like to dive into today, we'll kind of go through the same sort of structure that I chatted with Dr. Hauser about in small animal practice and how you as a large animal practitioner would utilize a credentialed veterinary technician on the daily or, or weekly basis here. So I'd like to break it down a little bit into the same kind of four big categories, routine appointments, problem appointments, hospitalized patients, and surgery, and kind of go down the list through each one of those and tell us how you as a, as a DVM in large animal medicine would utilize a credentialed technician. And I will throw a little cheater bit out there. Uh, Dr. Feist and I have worked together for, for several years, so I can speak to some of her truths and tell you before we even get started here that she is a DVM that 100% supports credentialed technicians growing in their skills and growing in their career path. So we've got a great person here today to really advocate for technicians within large animal medicine and hopefully bust that myth that is out there that technicians can't be utilized very well in large animal practice. So let's go ahead and get started with routine appointments. Tell me how you would like to utilize a licensed technician in just a routine healthy pet yearly exam appointment. Yeah, so routine appointments for me, I have a, a large equine clientele as well as small ruminant. So the routine for both of those is a little different. With the small ruminant herd checks, the nice part is having a third set of hands. So usually I'll have the owner hold, I'll do an exam, and then I'll have my technician administer the treatments that are needed. That way we keep a smooth process since it's usually done on an hourly rate. The owners really appreciate them having the efficiency, especially when they're being charged by the hour. <laughs> yeah, <those laughs> the, uh, with the horses, um, it kind of depends on the horse, but uh, usually the owner will hold, do an exam, or the uh, technician will hold, depending on the horse. And then the blood draw, vaccine administration, things like that can be done by the technician, which allows me to be freed up to work on the record or get things ready for the owner to, to be sent with. Yeah, and in this instance, guys, when she's using the word treatment, it's usually vaccines for these routine healthy appointments. So the technician would be vaccinating with the ruminants that Dr. Feist spoke of. Typically there's a yearly injectable deworming that goes with those as well. So those would be the kind of treatments that we would be talking about for, for these appointments. Yeah, copper boluses. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that moves us into the problem appointments. So these would be sick patients, injured patients. So how would you utilize a technician a little bit differently than say for just your regular routine appointments? That's funny. So I thought problem appointments meant the ones that are fractious to handling and you know, the problem children. So that, I had thought about that a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that's another, another good point that's brought up here is Animal handling skills are just 
I mean, they're super important for small animal patients, right? Because biting and things of that nature, but a horse could literally kill you guys. So knowing how to deal with handling or fractious horse is super important. So that's a great point. Great thing to bring up, Dr. Feist. Um, <laughs> that's what you, I thought it was. It's like yeah. the best part about having a, a skilled technician that's familiar with, with horses and livestock is safe handling. So I don't have to rely on or question what the owner's handling experience is and whether or not they're able to keep me safe. I know that my skilled technician can keep me safe as well as themselves and the owner sometimes because the owner tends to put themselves in dangerous positions, of course. Owner wrangling is a big part of safety <laughs> during large animal appointments. Great. Okay. Well, that was an awesome Awesome thing that I hadn't really planned on including in here today, but some great extra tips and viewpoints from a DVM. Keeping those doctors safe, guys, that is a huge part of what we do in large animal medicine because they're focused on their patient. They're focused on performing that exam, checking out that laceration, and keeping them safe and having their back at that time when they can't 100% focus on what the animal is doing behaviorally is incredibly important and crucial to, to the end game here. All right, so let's talk about my version of problem appointments, right? <laughs> so history taking or triaging, preliminary looks at these wounds so we can get set up appropriately, kind of gearing towards that there. So uh, wounds is a good one. So like you said, with wounds, the nice part is if I have um, an extra set of hands is they can clip and prep the wound, clean it, get it all ready for me to close. And then after I'm done closing, they can bandage it while I'm getting medications ready or going over instructions with the owner on stall rest and, and what they're gonna be expected to do. Um, it's nice to be able to have a more efficient appointment with the technician uh, available. Other problem scenarios would be like uh, dental extractions. Um, it is a little bit of a shoulder workout for whoever's <laughs> holding, but I like to allow the technician attempts to do um, nerve blocks, um, and then they can educate the owner on protocol for go home as far as diet expectations, medications that they'll be sent home with. Flushing if necessary, flushing yeah. the extraction yeah. site. Yeah. So just right there in this in this small part of our conversation there were a lot of skills that were brought up utilizing technician skills in large animal practice so clipping and cleaning wounds bandaging that's a big one and then client education discharge instructions and that all of that right there that's a big chunk that technicians can take care of for a dvm and, and keep them free so next i'd like to talk about hospitalized patients and that's one, like we talked about in our small animal medicine, it's going to be pretty similar. Hospitalized patients, even though they're large animals, are still going to have the orders that we talked about in our last episode with small animal. So what I would see as a technician coming in is the doctor's written out instructions is basically what orders are. If the patient needs medication, what kind, how frequently, when they need a temperature and heart rate and respiratory rate taken. And then we just call the doctor if, if we're seeing certain things outside of parameters that the doctors would expect. And so it's, it's along the same guidelines, just different kinds of patients, but technicians can be heavily utilized in hospitalized patient settings. And, and Dr. Feist, you can chime in here with your experience or, or your expectations for technicians in hospitalized cases. 
Well, now that I'm ambulatory, I don't do much hospitalized anymore, which this is, is true. <laughs> <laughs> but in previous practices, I mean, the level that you utilize the technician for hospitalized patients varies depending on the clinic setup. So like in a teaching hospitals, the, the technicians are utilized a lot heavier than in some private practices. That's a great because point. Because depending on whether or not the private practice expects them to be there for overnight care, with large animals, that's not as common, but it does happen where they have technicians on call for hospitalized patients overnight. They're usually having a large volume of fluids administered, so being comfortable with fluid therapy administration. Sometimes we have tubes in place for reflux on the colics to make sure that they're staying comfortable. Medication administration, TPRs, uh, just good monitoring and understanding the patients. Yeah. And catheter placement too is one that, oh, yeah. one that yeah. I kind of forgot in all of this. Um, just another, you know, brief mention on that skill set. Things that I had down were like you chatted about the colic patients with the mesogastric tube in place, um, bandage changes. I've seen patients hospitalized for bandage changes. Sometimes the doctor's not even needed for such things, or they may just pop in and check the wound and technician bandages back up, gives the patient their medication and everybody goes on about their merry way. So still can be pretty heavily utilized. Depends on the practice and the practice setup. Like Dr. Feist said, some practices do have technicians on call overnight to take care of some of these things. So that will just vary by, by practice setup. And then the last thing I had on here was surgery. This will be another one that will vary by practice and what the practice offers. So like Dr. Feist mentioned earlier with teaching hospitals, you're probably gonna have a lot of exposure to large animal surgery. But in the smaller private practices, with my experience, is we saw a lot of C-section and then a, a procedure called a tube cystostomy. So those were the two general anesthetic procedures that I saw a lot of just in GP for, for mixed animal. And technicians are really heavily utilized for that general anesthesia part and then for C-section for the resuscitation. So I don't know what, what thoughts you have from a DVM perspective on utilizing technicians for surgery. Yeah, the other big one is field surgery. So a lot of times in livestock and, and horses, we're doing field castration. So we use an injectable anesthetic versus a general inhaled anesthetic. So the technicians are either administering those medications as we're doing the surgery, monitoring to make sure that the patient's not getting light. Because if a horse is getting light under anesthesia, it can be a very unsafe scenario where they can be kicking and in this case of a castration our face is close to those legs so the technician responsible for our safety is really important we usually have them prepare to give medications should they see that the horse is becoming light with c-sections like you said the nice part is having a, a trained person to do neonatal resuscitation while we're performing the C-section. So we can pass off the babies and know that they're cared for without having to worry about pausing while we're in mid-surgery to resuscitate babies. Yeah, because I've had a few that I've had to intubate. So it's always nice to know that you've got skilled, educated hands taking yeah. those babies off your hands and you as the GM can focus yeah. on mom. And that are comfortable in CPR um, and administering of emergency drugs to those babies. And then to kind of tie this into our hospitalized patient too, you know, we've got, and the C-sections also guys, they're not always going to be in the beautiful hospital under general anesthesia. There will be the field C-sections that happens very commonly actually. 
So you wouldn't have that hospitalized patient after that surgery, but with some of these you do. So that ties into those skills of making sure you can read the orders and take care of those patients post-op. That's very true. My last C-section was done in the chicken barn because that was the cleanest place I could find on the farm. Oh, wow. A chicken barn is the cleanest place. That's some kind of record, I would say. <laughs> nice. We do have a lot of mud here, guys, in Western Washington, so I'm sure that probably came into play a little bit, too. That is exactly to what it. this scenario was. There was mud, and the chicken barn was the cleanest place. The driest place. So one of the big differences that we have talking about utilization in large animal medicine and small animal medicine, separate from, you know, the big species differences, is we have this vehicle, guys, ambulatory practice, which is just a fancy way of seeing mobile practice. We have this vehicle, so where the small animal folks have their clinic and they're stationary, they've got all their normal things in all the normal places. We have this roving vehicle that as a technician, we need to make sure is appropriately stocked and cleaned, so all the equipment on it is cleaned. And then in some cases, we need to load or unload equipment accordingly. I know Dr. Feist, your practice is, is entirely mobile now, so you've got everything on your vehicle all the time, but that's not always necessarily the case. So I don't know if you have any anything you'd like to chime in on that, that front, Dr. Feist. Yeah, so having a, a driver is something that I really miss. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so having uh, somebody to drive me from mobile calls saves me about two hours a in my day for paperwork and phone calls, things that, you know, if you don't have somebody to drive you, you're having to wait till you get back to the clinic to do. So just having a, somebody to drive saves two hours of my day. I've calculated it. It's about, it's about two hours. The vehicle maintenance, um, the other big thing is inventory management. So technicians are, have a a higher level of knowledge of the medications than assistants do generally. So they understand that some of these meds might, might not be as commonly used and being able to monitor you know, expiration dates, how much we should have on hand, and inventory management is crucial in the inventory setting. Um, one for keeping costs down because some of the medications can get pricey, but also so that things aren't going expired and unused. Yeah, those are all great points. Inventory management, yeah, that's something that as a technician where we're taught in school, you can go to CE for it. So great, that's an awesome point. Well, that kind of wraps up how I wanted to break down what technicians can do in large animal practice on the daily. So I wanted to kind of move into a different sort of area here and just get some advice from you, Dr. Feist, from a, a DVM perspective on expectations from beginner technicians. So there's kind of this common fear among beginners that they are going to be held to the same standards as an experienced technician. And I don't believe that's true. So I'd like to hear the words from a DVM's mouth. What advice or expectations would you have of a beginner? So one of the big advantages that you have as a beginner technician is that you're excited to learn. Um, you have the newest knowledge at your fingertips and you're eager to, to know all about everything. They usually have the best questions and they're engaged and interested in the job, which to me is huge. Sometimes, you know, as we get doing the same thing every day, we don't become as, I don't want to say that we're not as interested, but it doesn't become as exciting as it as it once was. So the newer technicians and you know the newer DVM grads are the are the same where they're just excited about everything, which is a nice refreshing take on things. So for me, as long as they have a, a positive attitude and a good work ethic, that's that's all I can ask of them. 
And just a reminder, guys, we talked about that learning curve with Dr. Hauser in the last episode. You know, her thoughts and expectation was probably about six months to, to feel comfortable and, and good about what you're doing. And I just want to remind you guys of that in this large animal episode, that that learning curve is going to be much, much steeper on this front, because with these particular types of practices, you're not just seeing the two species, right? Dogs and cats, like you'd see in small animal. Usually in these large animal practices, mixed animal practices, we're seeing horses, cows, goats, sheep, pigs, llamas, alpacas, and dogs and cats, right? Isn't that about your spectrum right now, Dr. Feist? I don't see very many cats anymore, which That's I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> fair, but fair. I, I do see a little bit of everything. Um, the dogs is mostly just, you know, vaccines of the, the livestock guardian dog that doesn't want to get in the vehicle anymore. Yeah. But adding to your point on the learning curve, the other part of large animal medicine is there's a seasonal component to it. So there's some things that we'll do in the spring. So spring is baby season for calving, uh, lambing, and kidding, and for horses. So if you started six months prior, you might not even have seen any of that yet. Um, the other would be you know, some of our performance things are more done in the summertime. So like joint injections, not as commonly done in the winter as it is in the summer, just because that's when people are exercising and riding their horse more. So that seasonal component of the large animal medicine makes that learning curve a longer period of time. So while in six months, you might be just getting settled and feeling like you got the swing of things and then spring comes and now there's babies to add a new, a new yeah. mix onto your comfort level. That, that is a very good point. I remember I started mixed animal practice in the fall. And so I was a professional at colics. And then all of a sudden it was baby season. And I was like, I, I don't even know how to do my job anymore. So yeah, that's a really good point. So keep, you know, you may think you're, you're really on top of things all of a sudden and then the seasons change. So don't worry about that. That's normal. So to wrap up for today, I like to leave people with a tech tip at the end of the programs here. So just any quick tips or advice. Mine for today is something you actually already alluded to, Dr. Feist, is the questions. Keep asking questions, guys. As long as you're doing it during the appropriate times, everybody's gonna love to answer your questions and they're gonna love that motivation and that drive that comes with asking those questions and that thirst for that knowledge. Did you have one, Dr. Feist? Sure. So I actually learned this from LVT. So when I was a baby grad, Jewett's a new grad, we had this really fractious horse that I could not, I could get a needle in, but then I couldn't get the syringe to attach to it. And she said, well, why not use a butterfly catheter? And it was like this, aha moment. <laughs> yeah. And I've been using it ever since. So if you have a horse that the owner says is needle shy, um, before you even get started, first get a handful of treats because everything's better with food. And then a butterfly catheter, you can even use a smaller gauge needle so they don't react as much to the poke. But that allows you to have the needle in place where it needs to be when they move so that you still have access to the vein. Well, thanks for that awesome tech tip, Dr. Feist. And thank you so much for joining us on our episode today, talking about utilizing the veterinary technician in large and mixed animal practice. You guys can follow Dr. Feist on Instagram at Feist Vet or check out her Facebook page, Feist Veterinary Services. As always, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Kendra the Vet Tech. And if you guys have any requests for future podcast episode topics, you can also feel free to email me at myvettechlife at gmail.com. 